Welcome to Quick Brain, bite-sized brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. I'm your coach, Jim Quick. Free your mind. Let's imagine if we could access 100% of our brain's capacity. I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Welcome back, Quick Brain. So here's a question today. How do you add more wonder and fascination into your learning and into your life? You've heard me say many times that all learning is state dependent, that the state that you're in is so important when you listen to a podcast or you read a book or you go to a class or a seminar because that information gets tagged and can really combined with that information, that emotion helps you to remember it and recall it. And I'm really excited about talking to you today because we're going to talk about the power of wonder, the power of play. So I'm really excited to have Danica McKellar here. When I mentioned that name, many of you automatically, you think about Wonder Years. And I'm such a big fan, Winnie Cooper and growing up in that time. And what many people don't know is she's a math whiz. And when I say math, some people are like, love math, or some people not such big fans of math. <laughs> and she's also New York Times bestselling author of a series of math books, which I'm really excited to be able to share with our community. Danica, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. I thought you were going to mention the word wonder one more time in there. Just wonder? To, just to help prep people for what was coming with the wonder years. <laughs> yeah, for those of you watching on video, yeah, I have a shirt, a shirt that says, made of wonder. Wonder, Yeah. <laughs> I just met Jim for the first time in person and I'm looking at his shirt thinking, yeah, I know. It's I know coming. what that's about. <laughs> it is coming. <laughs> but this is, I think it's one of the most important conversations because I feel like when people have subjects that they're interested in, mm -hmm. whether it's math or something else, that if they don't have a deep interest in it or a positive yeah. association to it, then they're not really going to engage in it. They're not going to learn it really well. Yeah, and the opposite of not having a positive engagement is actually actively having a negative association with... <laughs> the subject. And math, unfortunately, has a really bad rap. Math has this reputation of being too hard, too boring, too scary, all sorts of things. And that's actually what inspired me to first write math books over 10 years ago now with Math Doesn't Suck, because I couldn't believe after I got my degree in mathematics, how many people said, wait, what? Why would you study math? I mean, that's, <laughs> you're an actress. What are you doing with your life? Which is kind of funny. And so I realized this. I was stunned, especially women would balk at it and tell me, people like confess to me, men and women confess suddenly, you know, I couldn't do math. Or well, hmm. I was okay at math for a while, but then there was this one test or this one teacher or this one experience. There was this one point in my life after which I couldn't do it anymore. And that was it. Wow. And that, to me, there's no coincidence that that story keeps happening again and again and being told to me again and again. And I believe that it is because of a preconception of the subject. Because if you tell yourself you're not going to be good at something, and then you're doing fine, you're doing fine, you're just waiting for that piece of evidence to put the nail on the coffin that you already had set up for yourself. So if somebody is optimistic about something like math or anything difficult, then when you hit a stumbling block, you will tend to see it as a temporary stumbling block. But if you believe that it wasn't meant for you, then when you hit that stumbling block in math or anything, if you had that one test that you failed or the one teacher that you couldn't understand or that one experience, that one class, that will, instead of seeming like a temporary obstacle, it will feel like evidence of what you've known deep down all along, which is that you don't belong in math. And I think this has plagued more women than men, but it plagues everyone because of the reputation that our society has created for math. We think of math as something that's just for nerds, just for boys, just for people who don't have social lives. And it couldn't be 
farther from the truth, which is why I stand from the rooftops any chance I get to talk about the benefits of math and yes. how anybody can be good at math if you put your mind to it. So math is cool. It's sexy. It it's can very... be. It can also be boring and horrible. It really depends on the way it's presented. When I was in the seventh grade, I had a math teacher that I just didn't understand. I would come home and cry. So you weren't naturally good at math. I was in some ways, but I wasn't a genius. People like to say that. I'm not sure why, but it's not true. I mean, I was a hard worker and I loved a good challenge. But in seventh grade, I had a teacher that I didn't understand at all. And I thought it was me. Students and anyone listening who had a math teacher or math class that they felt really stupid in can probably relate. You never, as the student, imagine that it's the teacher's fault. You assume it's your fault. You assume that you just don't get it. Why? Because math has this reputation of being so hard. And when you're a child, teachers are an authority figure. It's kind of like your parents. When you're young enough, you think they know everything. Now, being a parent myself, I know that that's not true. But at the time, I didn't know that it was the teacher. Midway through the year, we got a new teacher. And suddenly, the same exact topics that had completely confounded me made sense and were fun. And you know what she did? She made it fun. Hmm. Like you're talking about with having an emotional attachment that's like a fun emotion and your brain tags your experience with that emotion. Yes, she would talk about functions like they were sausage factories. You put in a value for X and then the function does something to it, like the sausage factory. First, it'll slice it up and then it'll squish it together and it'll put it in the lining or whatever it does. And depending on what X you put in, you'll get a different sausage. But the factory is doing the same thing. Hmm. And so she taught us functions that way. And it was so fun. And it gives you these associations and these pictures in your heads. And so I took that same philosophy. And that's what I've written my entire McKellar Math line about, to help people not have that stigma attached to it, to shake it off. You know, I, I use a lot of humor, cartoons, whatever I have to, funny stories, because I, from firsthand, know the difference that the way math is presented will tell your brain how to view it and how well you're going to absorb it. Because a good teacher makes a big difference. It can make all the difference. Right. We did an episode where I taught people how to memorize the periodic table without realizing it, oh, really? using creative imagination and stories. Oh, I love that. Yeah. But that's when you use more of that right brain side. It's the mnemonic devices. Right. Yeah. It's a fun thing. It's something visual or something funny. All those things. So Do Not Open This Math Book is one of my more recent books. It's for ages six to eight. And you can tell from the title. Do not open this math book. Like, I've got an eight-year-old, and I know that reverse psychology works, and it does. <laughs> <laughs> so it's full of, like, comic strips and funny things, and I teach place value, which is a really important concept for that age. And Mr. Mouse is always giving my little Danica a hard time about things. And it's just a fun dynamic. It's just, who doesn't want to learn math from cartoon strips, you know? Why didn't I get to learn math? I, I, That's I, what I, I want to know. I, when I was going through your books, I was thinking, why weren't these available in school? Right, you know, right. They've been teaching the same way sometimes over and over again through repetition and people don't have relevancy of how they could use it right. towards things, which... Well, and look, they did change math recently, but not in a way that most people seem to like very much. It's called Common Core, Common Core Math. And that's actually part of why I wrote Do Not Open This Math Book, because I had parents telling me, I can't help my six and seven-year-old with their homework because I don't recognize it. Hmm. What is going on? This is addition. This is How could it be so different? And they call everything different. They don't have the same names. It's not caring and borrowing. It's regrouping and ungrouping, and it's just different, and they break things down. And I do see some benefit to Common Core. I really do. I just feel like maybe it was a little overdone. So I even have a new math translation guide for grown-ups in the back of this one because too much of it just looks different, and they're using different vocabulary. Let's try to make things fun for both the students and the parents. You know what? As a parent, I love being a parent. You want to be your child's superhero. You want to save the day. 
you want to have the answers for them and help them get to the next place. And so I'm really excited that I've had so many parents tell me that they love reading this book with their little ones and yeah. reading the cartoons together and making things clearer. And I could highly recommend the books also for that inner child inside of us yeah. <laughs> that needs a little bit of healing along the way. We I were know. traumatized because we had to go to as a kid to the blackboard with our chalk and right. solve a problem and we didn't do it well and we have a fear of numbers ever since. I still remember in that seventh grade class and the teacher that didn't make sense to me, I remember this test and like it looked so foreign. I'd studied so hard, and you know that feeling in the back of your neck when you, yeah. like, the hairs kind of prickle up and then you get all hot and you just want to die. You just don't want to be there <laughs> somewhere, anywhere else, but right here, right now, when that math test is handed to you and you don't feel like Yeah, you even when you're doing. describing it, oh, I myself, know. and Me I know too. a lot of people are listening, like <laughs> you're like going back heart and palpitations. Having, I am. I literally am going back to that place. <laughs> so the first book I ever wrote, Math Doesn't Suck, that's a book that a lot of adults will literally go back and just use just to face those old demons. You know, it's percents and it's decimals and it's fractions, things that come up in the real world, which also happens to be very practical. And I've had a lot of parents tell me, and not just parents, but just adults who don't even have kids will say, you know, I got your book <laughs> and I feel so much better because I was always afraid of math and I didn't want to like take that to the grave, basically. And we're talking about fascination and wonder and enthusiasm for things. I always tell people that these aren't things that you have. These are things that we do. Yeah. And some people wake up and say, like, oh, I hope I have motivation or I have focus or I have creativity today. But then we're on like defense. You know, hope is not a really great strategy. Right. But if you take it and say that these aren't things you have, these are things that you do, like they're verbs. Right. You don't have focus. You do focus. You don't have creativity. You do creativity. I and even that. this conversation we're having about wonder you don't have wonder, you could actually do wonder. You could add visualization, you could add stories, you could add metaphors and you could add games and all of a sudden it becomes much more empowering whether you're, you're an adult or a child. Yeah, you know, if absolutely. you're a trainer and you have a team of people and you wanna make it more engaging and you wanna get them into a literally wonder-filled state, mm -hmm. you could add these elements that are much more imagination and creativity and strategy that just make it fun. Yeah, when I first wrote Math Doesn't Suck, which is for sixth grade, I said, I want it to feel like kindergarten. Because no matter how old you are, when you're learning something, you want it to feel, like you said, like a game, like something fun. I don't know, I'm not as well-versed in parts of the brain as you are, but I know it engages a different part of your brain when you feel like you're having fun while you're learning. It's just different. It's a whole different experience. Absolutely. Couldn't be more different, and yet you're still learning. And you're motivated to do it also. And I think a lot of people forget the things that they learned in school because they learned it in a bored state. And if it's information times emotion becomes a long-term memory, if the emotion level is zero, anything times zero becomes zero. That's right? very true. <laughs> <laughs> and then you wonder why you forget the presidents or the periodic table or all these things. Right. But you're saying that even students, even if the teacher is not teaching, which it would be wonderful if they taught the way you prefer to learn, that they could use their imagination and creativity and turn things into a game and entertain themselves. It's just a matter of time. These teachers are so overworked and they don't have yeah. the time or the resources. Some teachers actually use my books for that. And so if, if there's any teachers listening, there are tons of like fun tips and little stories and things you can integrate into your classroom just to keep the kids awake. It's amazing. <laughs> Alive. My mother is a school teacher. She became a school teacher because she didn't know how to help me with my learning challenges. Oh. But we sent copies of your books to my nieces and my nephews. Oh. And so they're loving that. So thank oh, you so, so much. Oh, my pleasure. My yeah. pleasure. This is exciting. 
So how do people find out more? We've had this conversation about Wonder, and yes. I think a great next step is for people to get the books so they could get it on yeah. Amazon. Yeah, they're on Amazon, they're on barnesandnoble.com. And if you just want to see what all the books are, you can go to mckellarmath.com and you'll see them all there. McKellar is spelled with an A-R at the end. Amazing. And I challenge everybody to take a screenshot of this video or this podcast episode and tag us both in it. And then one of the ways of learning things faster is to teach it to other people. So yes. if you take a snapshot of it, tag us both and share and teach everybody in your community your big aha, like your big takeaway from this conversation. As always, I repost some of my favorite. And actually, maybe I'll be able to persuade you to sign these books and maybe we could give away of course. copies to some of our favorite posts. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got books ages zero to 16. So depending on your kid's age, Amazing. Probably a book for you. If they're six years old or 66 years old. Or if you're a grown up, math doesn't suck or kiss my math or. That does it. Yeah. Thanks, Danica. Thank you. Want to double your brain speed and memory power? If you'd like to learn rapidly and get ahead faster, I'd like to give you my brand new Quick Brain Accelerator program. You will discover exactly what I teach my clients to learn, read, and remember anything in half the time. There is no charge. It's my gift to you for being one of our subscribers. That's kwikbrain.com. Or simply text the word podcast to 916-822-7246 and we'll send you a direct link. That's 916-82-BRAIN. Growing up struggling with learning challenges from a childhood brain injury, it's been my life's mission to help you have your very best brain so you can win more every single day. Now, one more quick brain? Here are four ways to fast track your results and lock in what you just learned into your long-term memory. Remember fast, F-A-S-T. The F stands for Facebook. You're not alone on this journey. I invite you to join our free private online group. There you can connect with me, your fellow brain lovers, links to resources, and even submit your questions for me to answer in future episodes. Go to quickbrain.com. That's K-W-I-K brain.com. The A stands for apply. Act on what you learned today. Remember, knowledge is not power. It's potential power. It only becomes power when you use it. So use what you just learned. The S stands for subscribe. Don't miss the next episode and other free brain training. And finally, the T stands for teach. You want to learn faster now? The key is to lock it in right away by teaching it to someone else. When you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Here's a simple way to do that. Leave a review on iTunes. Leave a review with your biggest takeaway from this episode. You could also post and share this podcast on your social media. It helps us spread our mission of building better, brighter brains. And of course, tag us so our team can properly thank you. Hashtag quick brain, K-W-I-K brain. Mine is at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So what does FAST stand for? Facebook, apply, subscribe, teach. I'll see you in our next episode of Quick Brain. Until then, remember, you are faster and smarter than you think.